Hello everyone and welcome to our next episode of Stories from the Front Porch. This is Miss Isla and I am eager to hear our next story today and to see if our third storyteller might finally open the golden door. For in our last story we heard from Bra and I thought that he told quite an excellent story about the king of Tarandar, but alas, his story also did not open the golden door. Friends, I wonder who we will hear from in this episode. Chapter 17, Akadon and the Story of the Toymaker. While Bra was going off to prison, Akadon, the third storyteller, said to Noomzornoom, No wonder those men have failed. Such stories as they tell would never open the door. My story shall do it. Noomzornoom said, You are very sure. Do you think that your story is so much better than theirs? I don't think it is. I know it is, said Akadon. I have not even thought of going to prison. If the king had called on me the first year, he wouldn't have had to wait so long for the door to open. Noomzornoom smiled to himself and said, I hope you are right. It would be a wonderful thing if you are. Then the trumpet sounded twice, and Akadon went into the throne room. He walked boldly up to the throne, for he was a big man and knew no fear. He was dressed in blue pantaloons and a silver jacket, and around his waist was tied a golden sash. He did not even bow to the king, but straight away he said, O king, the story that I am about to tell will please the door. It is a story that no one but me has ever heard. If it does not Bring back your son, then you may know that no story shall ever open the golden door. When King Tazarin hold Akadon's boast, he scowled and said, You speak boldly. It may be that you think too much of yourself. It's not that, said Akadon, in no way upset by the king's words. It's only that I know a good story when I hear one, and I know that mine is the best. That remains to be seen, said the king. If you speak the truth, you shall be well rewarded. If not, you must go to prison. As you have ordered, so it shall be done, said Akadon. But before beginning my story, I have a request to make. If you are going to beg for mercy, said the king, I'll tell you right now that you are wasting your time. I'm not, said Akadon. I don't want mercy. I've not even thought of going to prison, so sure am I that my story will open the door. Then what do you wish? asked the king, slightly taken back by the man's boldness. Tell me. When my story is done, let me rap three times on the golden door, said Akadon. In that way, I shall be able to make it open. That is all I ask. That's a fair deal, said the king. It's more than I have granted to any of the other storytellers. But none of the others have asked to do it, said Akadon. They don't know as much as I do. The king leaned back and thought for a moment. Then he spoke to the queen and to some of the courtiers. Then he said to the man, 
that that was too bold to have his wish granted, but the king, who was willing that anything should be tried, eventually decided to grant the man his wish. Then Akadon, in a voice that was loud and full of confidence, told the story of the toy maker. Old Ni Fu spent his life making toys. He had a shop, and all day long he sat in the window, carving and painting. He made wooden dolls, wooden animals, wooden boats, and every other kind of toy that the children liked. He never had much money, for often he would give his toys away to poor children. But he loved his work, and he loved every toy that he ever made. No one really knew much about old Ni Fu. Of course, he could be seen all day sitting in his shop. But what he did at night and where he went on holidays, no one knew. He had never been seen after dark, and people who went on to his shop on holidays never found him there. For this reason, there was much talk about Ni Fu. Of course, nothing bad was ever said about him, for all everyone knew was that the old man would never do any harm to anyone. Just the same, the people who lived in the village would have given a great deal to know the truth. Some said that he was a magician, and that at night he turned himself into an animal. Others thought he had a secret room in his shop where he could hide himself and sleep. And there were those who said that he was just like anyone else. It was all untrue that he could not be found. But old Nifu kept himself and his mouth shut very tight. He never answered any questions about anything but his toys. One morning, the children in the village, when they went by Nifu's shop, saw the old man sitting there as usual. But he was not working, for one arm was all tied up in pieces of white cloth. This made them wonder. One of them went into the shop and said, What's the matter, Nifu? What have you done to your arm? Nifu sighed and said, My arm is broken. It will be a long time before I can make any more toys. The little boy said, How did it happen? Did you fall? Nifu said, my toys are a part of myself. The boy, hearing this and becoming confused, did not ask any more questions. He went out and told the other children what the toy maker had said. None of the children understood, so they ran and asked their mother, mothers and fathers. But no one in the whole village knew what Nifu meant by, My toys are a part of myself. The people thought that Nifu had been in a fight and had had his arm broken. That was all they thought, nothing more. They looked around for the person with whom he'd fought. They could find no one else who was broken or had been in a sign of being in a fight. So they wondered more than ever what the toy maker did with himself at night. Nifu got well and started making toys again. Then all the children were happy. For many months, he went on making toys. People began to forget about what had happened to him. They might have forgotten altogether, except that something happened. A man went to Nifu's to buy a toy for his boy. He did not see Nifu sitting in the window, so he knocked at the door. 
No one answered. He pushed the door open, and there, on the floor, he found Ni Fu hardly able to move. He looked at the old man on the floor and said, What has happened to you? You look as if you've been beaten and stamped on. Tell me who has harmed you. I'll see that they are punished. Nifu said in a weak voice, I am badly hurt. It will be a long time before I can make any more toys. The man asked, Who hurt you? And Nifu replied, My toys are a part of myself. When the man heard this, he did not know what Nifu meant. He thought the old man was out of his mind. He left Nifu and went to get the doctor. Together they fixed the old man up and made him as comfortable as possible, but he told them nothing more than he had said in the first place. And to all of their questions, he only responded, my toys are a part of myself. The man went among his friends and to everyone he met, he told them the story about Nifu. He said, I found him lying in his shop all bruised and beaten. When I asked him what was the matter and what happened, all he said was, my toys are a part of myself. Now what do you think he means by those words? There is no one in the village who would harm the toy maker. We all love him too much. Twice this has happened. I cannot understand it. These words he spoke to his friends, and no one could understand. One man said, I think he must go to some other part of the world at night. Perhaps he has some great enemies there. Another said, There was a dog fight last night. Nifu turns into a dog at night. I think that's what happened to him. Many people had ideas, but not one of them really knew the truth. They talked about this and that, and each one thought he knew it all. They watched Nifu closely, hoping to see what he did after dark. All they could see was that he closed his shop and lit no lamp. But where he went and what he did still remained as much of a mystery as ever. Again, the toy maker got well. He made many toys and seemed very happy. The children crowded around his window and watched him. The months passed by. Soon, it would be Christmas. The boys and girls in the village stopped at his shop to pick out the things that they wanted for presents. Nefu talked with them and told them stories. A week before Christmas, the people in the village had a holiday. No one did any work. The shopkeepers closed their shops, the blacksmith let his fire go out, and the men did no work in the fields. Even Nefu took a rest. The day after the holiday, everyone went to buy toys at Nifu's. One after another stopped at the shop, but no one could get in. The door was locked. They peeped through the window. The shop was empty. So they turned away and thought no more about it. How foolish he is, they said. He should know that we want toys for Christmas. He has probably gone off and is having a good time somewhere else. I'm sure he'll be back tomorrow. On the next day, the shop was still closed. The people became alarmed. They were afraid they could get no toys for Christmas. And when, on the third day, there was still no sign of the toy maker, the people in the village began to talk. 
People began to look for Nifu, but no one could be found who had seen him since before the holiday. A house-to-house -house search was made, but to no avail. At last, they gave up all hope and decided that there would be no toys this Christmas. Now, not far from the village, near a river, there lived a little girl. She was poor and had always wished for toys, but her mother and father could get her none. So she lived without toys and amused herself as best she could. Often, in the afternoon, she went to the bank of the river and floated pieces of wood in the river and threw stones at them. In this way, she passed much time playing. About a week after Nifu had been missed, this girl went to play by the river. As she stood there throwing stones, she thought she saw something floating down the current. She waited till it came near, then threw the stones beyond it to help bring it to shore. At last she got hold of it, and what was it but the body of a doll with only one leg and one arm. She picked it up, dried it off, and put it down on some grass. I wonder where the other leg and arm are, she thought. Perhaps if I wait here, they too will float by. So she waited. By and by, the arm floated into sight, and not long after came the leg. The little girl rescued them both. Then she picked up all the parts and ran to the house. She said to her mother, look what I found. I found them floating in the river. Her mother looked and saw that all of the parts belonged to the same doll. She said, some child has broken this doll and thrown it away. It's too bad Nifu isn't here. He could fix it for you. Then you'd finally have a toy. The girl said, I don't see how anybody could treat a doll so badly. I'm going to keep it and perhaps father will fix it. Then I'll make a dress for it and it will be mine. As she wished, so her father did. He fixed the doll as well as he could and gave it back to his child. The girl took it at once and started to make a dress. All the rest of the afternoon, she worked with a thread and needle. By evening, she'd made a beautiful dress for the doll and put it on. She took care of the doll as if it were a child. That night when she went to bed, she took it with her and made a nice soft bed for it under the blankets. There the doll slept, and the little girl was very happy. The next morning when the people went to look for Nifu, they found him at work in his shop. They said to him, Where have you been all this time? Didn't you know that we would want toys for Christmas? Nifu said, I don't know whether to make any more toys or not. They said, What do you mean? Nifu responded, My toys are a part of myself. This time, the people thought that there must be something in what he said, because now for the third time, he gave them the same answer. So they said, tell us what you mean by my toys are a part of myself. We cannot understand you. Nifu said, if you didn't understand me the first time, you won't understand me now. How are we going to find out, they asked unless you tell us and they begged him to tell them just what he meant at last the old man said you go and call all of the children in the village and bring them here then i will tell what i mean so all the children in the village 
were gathered together and brought to the toy maker's shop. There they crowded around him, and he spoke thus. My toys are a part of myself. By that I mean that whenever one of my toys is broken or badly taken care of, it is just as if I have been hurt. Every night after closing the shop, I turn myself into a toy, one of the ones that I've sold. That's what happens to me. That first night, I turned into a little wooden boy doll. The child that owned me got angry and smashed the arm of his doll. That's why you saw me the next day with a broken arm. Later, I turned into another doll and went to the house of a little girl. She got angry at her mother and stamped on all her toys. That's why I was all bruised and beaten in the morning. On the holiday, some child pulled a leg and an arm off his toy and threw it in the river. I happened to be that toy. After being broken and thrown into the river, it was impossible for me to come back. That's why I stayed away so long. But a kind little girl saved me, put me back together, and took the very best care of me. So finally I was able to come back. That's what I meant when I said my toys are a part of myself. When the children heard this, they were sorry for the way that they had mistreated their toys, and they promised Nifu never had to be bad. They promised Nifu never to be bad to them again. So he set to work and made lots and lots of new toys for Christmas. And to the little girl who had saved him from the river, he gave the choice of as many toys in his shop as she wished. As Akadon told the last words of the story, he turned and spoke them to the golden door. He spoke them slowly and in such a way that he seemed to expect the door to fling open at any moment. When it did not open, he walked over to it and struck it heavily with his fist. Again, he struck it with all of his strength. And when he struck it for the third time, he shouted, I command you to open. It is Akadon's story that you have heard. But the door paid no heed to his words. It remained as fast shut as it always had been. Then Akadon turned to the king and said, Give it time, you will open. The king waited as long as he saw fit. Then he said a little angrily, You are a boaster. You have said much, but done little. Give it time, said Akadon. It will open if only you wait. Wait, said the king with an ill-humored laugh. I have waited long enough already. Just a minute more, pleaded Akadon. Give me a chance. You are a fool to think you know so much, said the king. And with these words, the king and the queen and the courtiers all laughed and jeered at Akadon. They called him a boaster. They called him a fool. And they told him that he deserved what was coming to him. Akadon grew red in the face and was covered with confusion. Two or three times he began to speak, but no one stopped laughing long enough to listen to his words. I tell you, I tell you, it's going to open, he shouted. My story is the best. And he stood in front of the throne, trying to make himself heard. At last the king called for silence. Then he said to Akadon, You have done worse than fail. You have proved yourself a boaster. 
It's such as you that not only waste my time, but the time of everyone else. It will be well for the kingdom of Trum to be rid of you. With these words that he spoke, the king called to the guards, and they rushed forward and seized Akadon. He begged and pleaded of the king to wait a little bit longer. But the king only jeered at him, as did all the courtiers. The guard carried Akadon out of the room, and all the way down the hall his voice could be heard as he screamed and protested and said that he knew his story should open the golden door.